Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, well-known verses about the inspiration of all Scripture. Why read the Bible? Why read the Bible? There's many reasons, and let's look at them very quickly. And this will not exhaust the subject. One reason we ought to read it is because Paul told Timothy in this particular chapter, these 22 verses that start at 3-1 and go to 4-5, a 22-verse single lesson about the perilous times of the last days in which would rise a compromising, carnal, effeminate, worldly brand of Christianity. And what's the cure for it? Verse 2 of chapter 4. Preach the Word. The Word of God's the cure for compromising Christians. But we read in verse 16 of chapter 3, as that Word is defined for us, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That's quite a sentence right there about the Word of God. It's profitable. And then it tells us what it's profitable for, for doctrine. That we would have the right teaching in our lives and in our church, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for reproof. It's able to tell you where you're wrong. It's able to tell you what you ought to change. And it's able to tell you what to do to have a righteous life. But what I want right here, out of these two verses, not just those things, but the fact that it's given by the inspiration of God. That inspiration is the breathing of the Holy Ghost into men. As God the Holy Spirit moved men to write the words that we have, we have the words that God the Holy Spirit gave to us. Because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost in Second Peter chapter 1. And we concluded a few minutes ago thinking upon the fact that from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no man knoweth a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Each of us has a spirit with which we communicate, and that spirit is the only one that really knows us. And that's no big secret, because you ain't worth nothing, and I'm not worth anything. The reason Paul even mentioned that fact is that God has a spirit. And God, through His spirit, has revealed to us by spirit-chosen words that we can know God. And here it's mentioned in the words, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God, the Holy Spirit, moved men to use Spirit-chosen words. And so we read the Bible, and the Bible is important to read, and we want to re-emphasize the Bible in our daily lives because it is a God-inspired, breathed book. God, the Holy Spirit, gave us these words. We have a book from heaven. We have a divine oracle. We have a revelation from God Himself on what is true and right. And so we want to read it. In Second Peter chapter 1, this inspiration of God, which I've already referred to, says it's more sure than even God's voice from heaven because He's put it in writing. Do you appreciate that God put it in writing? We put contracts today in writing because the words of most men can't be trusted. Their handshake can't be trusted anymore. Just ask a brother here who relies on accounts receivables to get paid. Their word doesn't mean anything. So the Lord, even the Lord tried to help us out. Do you know what he did? The Lord made promise that he was going to save us through the seed of Abraham. And in order to confirm that promise, he swore with an oath that he would save us by the seed of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that God swore so that we would have an assurance for our faith that he was truly going to save us. But not only that, he put it in writing. And we have the Bible in writing. Second Peter chapter 1, Peter has described being on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 16 and 17 and 18. And then he says in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. The testimony of the Lord is sure, Psalm 19. It is more sure than God's voice from heaven. If you were to come in here and tell us, I had a dream. Oh, we've heard those words before. 
He didn't have nothing. He was hallucinating. If you come in here and tell us about your dream, we don't want to hear about it. How do you know you had a dream? Are you sure it wasn't from what you ate before you went to bed? Are you sure it wasn't from the devil? How do you know it's from the Lord? Are you sure you haven't forgotten it? That you didn't get a few details mixed up? None of, you couldn't prove a thing from a dream. And you know what the Bible says about dreams? They're chaff. That's the dust that collects on the seed of wheat that makes bread. You toss it up in the air in the slightest of breezes. I mean the slightest of breezes. You didn't have to wait for a windy day to thresh wheat. The slightest breeze would blow away the chaff, and what would remain is the wheat. And what does the Lord say in Jeremiah 23? What is the chaff to the wheat? Now, this wasn't a dream. Peter was there for real. And he heard God's voice from heaven in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses, and Elijah. But he said that we have a more sure word of prophecy. And look at verse 19. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Now, when God says, well done, that is something we want to do. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. Knowing that this book... This prophecy that we have is God moving men by the Holy Spirit. The point I want from these two verses, why I read the Bible? Because the Bible is God, the Holy Spirit, giving us light for a dark world. Light for dark minds. Light for darkness that clouds our lives. There is Holy Spirit light in the Bible and you do well to take heed to it. And if the Bible says you do well to take heed to it, the Lord says that this is something we need to be doing. We need to be reading God's Word. It is better than being on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ, Moses and Elijah, and hearing God thunder from heaven. That would be impressive. That's more impressive than any vision or dream I've ever heard Benny, Benny or anyone else ever describe. But you can have something more sure from the Bible. Romans chapter 10, another reason why we read the Bible, why it's important, why we're not reading it enough, and to encourage us to read it more. Our lives in this world are to be lived by faith. Faith is a gift from God. Faith believes everything God said. Faith believes that God is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. God gives us that gift of faith, and if you don't have that gift of faith, you are an unreasonable man. Paul prayed in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, pray for us that we may be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. For all men have not faith. Because if you don't have faith, you are unreasonable. Your circular reasoning is starting with yourself and the nonsense found between your ears. We start with the Bible, and they can call it circular reasoning or whatever they want. Our presupposition is God exists, and he wrote the Bible. And from that, we will reason everything out to a logical conclusion. What do they start with? There is no God, and I don't know where I came from, and I think there was a big bang, though no one ever saw it nor recorded it. And we'll go from there. And then they want to accuse us of circular reasoning. I'll start that circle anytime. I'll jump on that merry-go-round and I'll ride it all the way to heaven. There is a God and he wrote the Bible. That's our presupposition. What's theirs? A pipe dream. And if you want to know more about the pipe and what they put in it, ask me afterwards. Pipe dream is a good name for it. We live by faith. We do not live by sight. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. This gift God has given us. But how do we build this thing up? How do we get this faith stronger so that we lay hold of God in a stronger way and we believe His promises and they're realer to us? If realer is a word, how do we do that? Right here, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know how you increase your faith? You feed it. The, you feed it the substance that faith lays hold of and that's what God said. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The I believe it is necessary in there because without faith, we know it's settled. But is it settled for you? It's settled if you believe it. And how do you increase your faith? You feed it the word of God. Because the gift of faith God has given us will lay hold 
on these spiritual words and will grow in faith. If you deprive yourself of the word of God, if you don't read it, you're lazy, you're distracted, you're diverted, you don't read it. Your faith shrinks. You can't remember God, you can't remember his promises, and you just become a weak Christian. You, you begin to doubt your salvation. You doubt eternal life. You doubt everything. You're, you're losing because you're not feeding your faith. Faith comes by hearing. God gives it first. And then the word of God brings it into activity and shows it what to believe and lay hold of. You've heard this verse two pages over. Chapter 15, verse 4. You've heard this many, th- many times. Whatsoever things were written aforetime, the Old Testament... The Gospels, whoever wrote Scripture before Paul, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. It's the Word of God that builds up faith, that builds up hope, that builds up comfort, that builds up patience by laying hold of Scripture. If you don't do that, you lose hope, you lose faith, you're not comfortable, you're not patient. You're... We lose as Christians without the Word of God because it is the food for our souls. It is the bread that we must feed on. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to skip it. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Same point. 1 Thessalonians 2. You don't need a hundred verses. You need a few to remind you how important it is to read the Word of God. We are Christians in name only if we don't read the Word of God every day. If we don't feed our souls, we're Christians and we're a skeleton of a Christian. We don't have the vitality of a Christian. We're not feeding that faith that we have. We're not giving ourselves the light we need to direct us through a dark world. The third point I want to make on why I read the Bible. Because the Bible is a spiritual book that will bear fruit in you. Look at this verse. And, And the Thessalonian church was a great church. If you've read chapter 1, their testimony went throughout the whole world where Paul preached. He said, everywhere I go, I hear all about you people. I don't need to tell them a thing about your conversions because they already know the story. How you turn from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. That's in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. But here's what he says. 2.13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because... When ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. (coughs) Two points. I know you like the first one because I heard you. I appreciate a couple brothers that love it. It's not the word of Paul, was it? And Paul could do some pretty impressive miracles. If you got a hold of his hanky, or his apron, it did things in your house. And he didn't ask for you to sow a seed in his ministry to reap a harvest. He just sent out his aprons and handkerchiefs to heal, and they healed. But it wasn't Paul's word. And Paul's telling these Thessalonians, when you heard me preach, though I had all that power, and he tells about the power in chapter 1, you didn't believe it as it was the word of man. It was the word of God to you. You trusted it as the word of God. But here's the second point I want. It effectually works in you that believe. If you read the Word of God and believe it, it effectually works. It has a power in our lives to match up with the faith that we have to build us up as Christians. It effectually works. You know what effectually means? It means accomplishing its desired effect. And the desired effect of the Word of God is to build us up in the Christian faith and make us stronger Christians. It feeds our souls. But if we're not reading it, how can it effectually work in us? We're depriving ourselves of having the effect accomplished in our lives. Lord, save us from such foolishness. 1 Peter chapter 2. Why read the Bible? Because it's God's Holy Spirit-inspired words for light. It builds up our faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It bears fruit. It works effectually in those that believe. 1 Peter chapter 2 are words I started out with a couple of hours ago this morning. Verse 2 says, as newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. 
What does it say about the man in Psalm 1, the successful man, the man that's like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bears his fruit in his season, his leaf doesn't wither, but his, the, his oh, I almost gave that away, his, his delight is in the law of the Lord. We had a great conversation between the two services with a couple of people. His delight is in the law of the Lord, not his duty. His delight. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? Let me tell you something. You ever watched a baby? They cry every few hours because they want to eat. And as soon as they get near that faucet, they get so relaxed and happy. They're delighting in what's popped into their mouths. None of it comes nice warm milk. And they appreciate it. And as newborn babes, we are supposed to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Why read the Bible? You cannot grow as a Christian without the Bible. This is what I get sick of. Pastor, I don't know why I feel so dull spiritually. I don't have the zeal I used to have. I'm just not as excited about the things of the Lord as I used to be. Do you know what they want me to do? Fish around and pull out a magic pill. And you know what? There isn't a magic pill. You're lazy. You're carnally minded. You're distracted with the things of this world. And you're not reading the Word of God. This is not a descriptive statement about Christians. This is a commandment. As newborn babes, you should, you must, you are supposed to desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. You know, everyone that comes to me and asks that, they're not reading the Bible like they used to. They're not praying like they used to. And they're not examining themselves like they used to. Well, lo and behold, what do you think is going to happen? You're not growing. So you're shrinking and you know it. Just thank God that you know it. Do you know what will happen if you get, just give it a little bit more time? You won't know it. And you'll be gone. It happens and it will keep happening. And it's okay. If you don't want to read the Word of God and if you don't want to feed your soul, then what is in you to even indicate you're a child of God? Because a child of God wants to feast on the Word of God. And if you get dull for a time because you've let the world creep in, then throw the world back out, confess your faults to God, and turn to His Word again. Confess your sins and examine yourself. It is not the fault of the Word of God. It is not the fault of the Spirit of God. It is not the fault of this church. And it's not the fault of the pastor. It's your fault. I have my own struggle. We all have this struggle. And so we have this commandment. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. Listen. For a baby that's used to eating every three hours, listen to it at the five-hour mark. It is loud and intense. Are you when you don't get to the Word of God? If your job or your life or something else chokes out a day where you don't get to the Word of God, are you hollering? My life is out of control. Not because you didn't get enough done out there, but because you didn't get enough done with the Word of God. You know, I got an email from a laptop while a brother was on vacation last week. He said, I don't like vacations. Sorry, Sherry. He said, I don't like vacations because they mess up my schedule. And for those of you, you all know that, don't you? You know, if you're, if you're a person of routine, you're a person of habit, and you've, and you've made a time for the Word of God, you get on vacation, everything's upside down, you're, you're eating differently, sleeping differently, and traveling, and going. You understand what he was saying? And so we had, we had a little exchange in emails about, that, that's, it happens. Let me get back to my home where my schedule is set, where I can get the Word of God as I should. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Why read the Bible? Because we're not going to grow without it as Christians. Do you know what the Lord Jesus Christ did to the man that buried his talent? He took it away and gave it to the man that had ten. For those of you that will be dedicated and take your Bibles and devour them and desire them, the Lord will bless you and will take from others and they'll end up with nothing. The man that had one ended up with zero. The man that had five ended up with eleven. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer in the kingdom of heaven when it comes to spiritual blessings. And it's a fair arrangement. Psalm 119. Let's look at another. Why read the Bible? We read the Bible because the Holy Spirit gives us light. We read the Bible because it builds our faith. It bears fruit. 
It nurtures our spiritual growth. And it gives us a rich heritage. Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 19 and Psalm 119, if you can remember those two numbers, 19, 119, it'll tell you the two psalms that are written about the Word of God. Now, we've already been through Psalm 19 in the first assembly, in the first sermon. And we saw there that David said, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Look at what he said in 119, 111. Thy testimonies, Psalm 119, 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. There's a couple things in that verse, but what I want right now is the heritage forever. The Bible is able to make you content by giving you a rich heritage. My dear father does not have a whole lot in his will. And I wouldn't care if there was nothing in it. Because he's already given me a rich heritage. Do you know what he gave me? As soon as I was able to open my peeper and open these things, he was shoving the word of God before me, giving, these, giving Paul and me these daily Bible reading charts and expecting us to read the word of God. And I, and I thank him for that. I know the first verse I memorized, and it wasn't John 3.16, praise the Lord. I love John 3.16, Lord, but you know what I mean. It was Romans 5.12. I remember that. I was taught to memorize the Word of God, and I was taught to read it. Because it's a rich heritage. You know why I'm saying all that about my dad? What are you doing as a dad? What are you giving your children? What am I giving mine? Have we given them a rich heritage of the Word of God? Because David said, thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. And do you know who he got them from? His dad. Do you know who he got them from? His dad. Him, his dad. Him, his mother Rahab. Thank you. Yeah, we learned that last Sunday, didn't we? Rahab the harlot and Ruth the Moabitess. They taught those children the word of God. You say, are you sure their dads taught them? Those David had the word of God because God caused him to be born into the right big family, the family of Israel. That's how he had the testimonies of God. What advantage then hath the Jew much every way, chiefly because under him were, under them were committed the oracles of God. David got the word of God from his family. Children, I can't give you anything like I can give you the word of God. When we sit and read this, we are reading the most precious thing I can give you. The understanding God's shown us of it, it's the most precious thing I can give you. There ain't much else left. Every one of you dads, what a heritage to give our children the Word of God. How about one, verse 142? Let's change subjects. Verse 142, same chapter. The, why read the Bible? It's the only source of truth in the universe. Psalm 119, 142, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Thy law is the truth. Look at 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Truth. Don't you love to have truth on subjects instead of being deceived, thinking that you're right, but actually being wrong? Do you know that most men go through their lives deceived on many subjects? Thinking that they are right, but actually being wrong. Isn't that terrible? And you don't even know it. That's what deception means. You don't even know it. But God's Word is truth. Every time you read it, what you're reading there is truth. It will stand the test of time. It will stand the test of eternity. It's settled forever in heaven. It's truth. Where do you find truth? Pilate said, what is truth? He had given up. He'd been to the best schools that Rome could offer. What is truth? You know what the Lord Jesus Christ said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He knew the word of God in him were hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He knew scripture. The devil tempted him. It is written, it is written, it is written. He knew the Bible. He could shut their mouths. They picked on him about the word of God, and he could turn that on them and slice them with scripture. Because he knew it. It's the only source of truth. We're in Psalm 119. Look at verse 98. Let's think of another reason why to read the Bible. It's the source of wisdom. You want to be wise? What did we read in Psalm 19 earlier? It is able to make wise the simple. A simple man can go to the Bible and come back a wise man. You don't need degrees. You need the Word of God. 
Give me a farmer that fears God and loves the word of God. I'll show you a man that's wise. Because he's putting his trust in the Lord and he's going to the only source of wisdom there is. There isn't wisdom in our educational institutions in this country. They don't teach wisdom. Wisdom is outlawed. My children come home and they say, I'm supposed to write a paper on this subject. Ha ha, great. Which outline do you want? Oh, we can't use the Bible as a source document. What? We can't use the Bible as a source document because it's not provable. And yet they want us to read the books written by other men on pipe dreams. Isn't that the truth? Have you ever run into that? Can I use the Bible as a source document? No, we can't use the Bible as a source document. Our nation. You want to go to an educational institution like that? What are you going to learn? You have chosen to learn in a vacuum devoid of wisdom and truth. Any man's hallucination. So they sit in class. And Johnny, what do you think? What do you think about child discipline? What do you think about beating children? Oh, little, little Johnny and, and little Susie is such a terrible thing. And so they all share the opinions of 18-year-olds. Do you know what an 18-year-old knows about life? Nothing. But because they're depraved, they know less than nothing. All of this, I say all of that because we are living in a so-called Christian nation that says when you go to school, you can't have the Bible there. It's not a legitimate source document for any quotations to prove anything. It's the only source document that you can quote with absolute certainty for truth. And do you want to be wise? This is the book you need right here. Look at, look at verse 98. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. And that's not enemies that are ever with them. It's God's commandments that were ever with David. Verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients. Verse 100, because I keep thy precepts. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, any other philosopher that's ever come along, Carl Sagan, Charles Darwin, Karl Marx, any of them, didn't know anything. Combined, squared, they didn't know anything. Freud, Sigmund Freud, the Germans of his generation were the dumbest, most ignorant generation that's ever lived. The most God-denying, God-hating men. And yet that philosophy has infected American philosophy in our educational institutions. And the only cure is right here, the Word of God. So we have word. Look at the confidence that this could give a young man. Austin, you're going to a cesspool. They misspelled a little bit. They call it a school. You've got to remember that the Word of God can make you wiser than your teachers. And give you more understanding than the ancients. Aristotle didn't know why he existed. He didn't know where he came from. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know why men died. And he didn't know the cure for death. And you know all those things. Let's give him a round of applause. (laughs) You know why you know all those things? Because they're right here. Why read the Bible? I want you to go to school. When they talk about evolution, you can just sit there and smile great big inside. About this big. They don't know what they're talking about. I love the Bible. It says, "If the, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his parents to shame, bringeth his mother to shame. I remember taking Psychology 101, being taught that you couldn't touch a child. I read Summerhill, a, a radical approach to child training. Oh, you don't even want to hear about it. I just went through a whole... I just sat in the back corner and slept. Gave the teacher what he wanted on the test. After the last final exam, the teacher said, Crosby... Come out in the hallway. He came out and said, I have to give you an A. Because you did give me what I wanted in the test. But I've got to ask you a question. Did you believe anything I said all semester? <laughs> no, sir. Because this tells me how children are to be trained. And it tells me what's bound in every child's heart. And it's not love and virtue trying to get out. <laughs> Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will drive it far from Do you know how intelligent you have to be to understand that verse? You can have an IQ of 70 and have raised a few farm animals. And when you read that, you understand exactly what's being said there. And you can go do your job. Praise the God of heaven. 
wisdom is not based on intellect. It's not based on intelligence. It's based on revelation. But you know what? The revelation can't help you without reading it. My whole point of all that, let's read the Bible more. We slip. I watch you slip. I can tell when you slip. Austin, I don't care if you get straight A's where you're going. I do a little bit. I do a little bit. I want you to get an A in Bible knowledge. I worry about you every day. When I was your age, I didn't do very well, and I had good parents who taught me the Word of God. But I wasn't reading it like I'm trying to teach you to read it right now. I had replaced it with my little techno sin under my pillow. And it ruined my life. Wisdom is found in the Word of God. Look at 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Look at 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. You can be wise and understanding by feeding upon the Word of God. Look at 46. There's many verses, brethren. Look at 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. You will always have the best answer to any question if you learn the Word of God. I don't have time to turn you to Proverbs chapter 22, verses 17 through 21. Solomon said to his son, I want these words of wisdom fitted in your mouth so that when somebody comes and asks you a question, you can give them the certain words of truth in answer. We are supposed to be ready, according to 1 Peter 3.15, ready to give a reason of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear. A reason. Do you know what that means? It is a provable argument that you're able to give somebody. Not I think so or I believe, but a provable argument. Reasons. In answer to people that ask. A reason of the hope that is within us. Solomon knew that. Solomon taught the very same thing. I want the words fitted in your mouth so that you can give the certain words of truth. We don't want to hear, I think, I believe. We want to hear, thus saith the Lord. We want to hear a reference of specific verses. How do we learn that? We have to read it. Why do we read the Bible? It will give you the best answer for every question. Solomon said that. Peter said it. And it's taught right here in verse 46. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Because when I speak up, I'm always going to have the right thing. You know Elihu? He was speaking up in the mouth of four very wise men. Four of the wisest men on earth. If they weren't the four wisest men. And Elihu was able to put them in the shade because he knew the word of God. And he gave them a godly inspired answer. Look at James 1.25. James 1.25. Could turn to Psalm 19, but we'll go to James 1. James 1.25. Look what it says. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. We're talking about the Bible. It's the mirror. Self-examination. We're looking in the mirror to see what God's word has to say about us. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There is a blessing. There is a reward. In Psalm 19, it is said there is great reward for those that will read the Word of God and do it. When you get into this book and it says something that you're not doing right in your life, you have a choice. Well, I know, I know that's true, but I just like what I'm doing. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Okay. If you make that choice, God has a deal. When you make that choice because you're... you're you're, de- you're despising His Word and you don't want to submit to it. He just closes up your heart, your soul, and your eyes. You'll no longer see any truth. Pharaoh couldn't see any truth. Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? You know, you'd think that any man that had any intelligence at all would not take his chariot down to the Red Sea. And on and on it goes. The Lord just will blind you if, you if you despise His Word. But if instead you read it, you see that you have a blemish in your life. You correct that blemish. He'll open your eyes, your heart, and your ears to understand even more truth. That's the way it works with the Lord. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer, depending on how you treat His Word. What did Jesus say in John seven seventeen? If any man will do His will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of myself and whether I'm from God or not. If any man will do his will, you don't do his will, all of a sudden you don't even know that the Son of God, who's feeding multitudes with a little boy's lunch, is stopping storms, raising the dead, and healing the blind. You don't even know that miracles are taking place. Remember we talked about that this week, Bernie? How in the world could the Jews crucify the Lord Jesus Christ? Stops up these, stops up these, stops up the heart. 
Because they had the word of God read to them every Sabbath day. But they didn't humble themselves before it. Lord, help us. It has a reward. It is great reward. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you want to be blessed? Here it is. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Do you believe that verse? There's blessing. Why read the Bible? That's what I'm answering. In a few different ways. Joshua chapter 1 said, Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt find good success. I'll rush right over it. There's more verses. Proverbs chapter 8 just goes on and on describing all those blessings and that prosperity and that good success. John 5, 39. Jesus said to the Jews, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. John 5, 39. Why read the Bible? I'm approaching number, reason number 10. It's the only way we can know about the Lord of glory. You cannot... At break time, I heard some men talking about woodpecker. The woodpecker is one of God's creations that defies evolution. The bombardier beetle. And it's, a, it's ability to produce a unique form of gas. It's on videos in our little church library. Creatures God made that defy evolution. But we need more than that. Because those creatures that God made, the sun, the moon, the stars, thunderstorms and hurricanes, roses and the grass in your yard and an apple tree will not teach you about the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It comes only by revelation. You cannot rationalize about a Savior. It's got to be revelation. Search the Scriptures. Okay, we're asking, why read the Bible? Jesus tells us right here. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. They're like Catholics. Here's what a Jew did. What do the Catholics do today in this city? They kiss the book. They should be reading the book. Do you know what the, the Jews trusted in the printed page? They trusted in it that they had God's word, that that was going to get them to heaven. Just having it. No. This book tells us about Jesus Christ. Search the scriptures for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Paul told Timothy, From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. We can know the way of salvation because God gives it to us in His Word. And Lois and Eunice gave it to Timothy, so he had it. Why read the Bible? It's the only way you'll know about Jesus Christ. It's the only way to be saved from the other Jesus preached in the world. is to find the Jesus of the Bible. So we've got to be reading the New Testament, the Gospels, to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can read about Him making a scourge. You can read about Him slicing the Pharisees with the two-edged sword of His mouth. By taking the Word of God and crushing their arguments. We can, we can hear him saying it is written to the devil. And we see the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. We see him seated at the right hand of God. We see him on his white horse. We don't see him on a crucifix. We see him grown up out of that little manger scene. Never to return to it. The Bible shows us the Lord of glory. That's why we read the Bible. To meet the Son of God. Oh, Yes, and when he's with you, your heart will burn. Do you remember him walking on the road to Emmaus with two disciples? And he explained the word of God to them, and they said, Our hearts burned within us. As he opened the word of God to them, and they saw the Lord of glory. It'll keep you from sin. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't read the word of God, you're going to sin more. If you read the word of God and are humbling yourself to it, you'll sin less. Lord, thank you for your word. It keeps us from sinning. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It helps us live a righteous life. It gives great joy. I read earlier in this assembly, Jeremiah said, I took the words in, I ate them. They were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Do you want something to really be excited about? You know, something a little better than the maize and blue? The maize and blue are black and blue. Half of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And that, ma- that makes my heart joyful. Makes my heart joyful. You know, there's nothing to get excited about in this world. It's all vain. And it's all going to go away. 
But the real joy and rejoicing will go right on forever because God's word is forever. It's settled forever in heaven. I have taken thy testimonies as my heritage, and they are the rejoicing of my heart, David said. It's the way to seek God. I've already mentioned this in the previous service. Think about it with me. Isaiah 66. To this man will I approach. The man with a contrite spirit and trembles before my word. If you get down on your knees with the word of God and you tremble with that word and you say, Lord, show me your will. I'm seeking your face. I want you. I want to walk with you. He will come to you. His promise. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. And I gave you the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. Read in Isaiah 53. Was he reading it to check off a Bible reading chart? No. Did he want to understand what he was reading? Yes. Did he know he was in something good? Yes. Had he probably spent some good money to get his hands on the Scriptures? I don't think the Jews were used to tossing Scripture around to Gentiles to take out of Jerusalem. He got himself on Isaiah 53 and he was reading it and he didn't understand it. But he wanted to understand it. And he had been, he had been to Jerusalem to worship. This was a sincere, devout man. God sent him a Philip. But if you don't care about the Word of God, God's not going to send you a Philip. The Lord will blind you. He'll give you your, full of, your fill of this life and send leanness into your soul. There was a generation of Jews who preferred quail to the Word of God. God gave them their heart's desire and sent leanness into their soul. I watch, I watch you ebb and flow. I watch me ebb and flow. I know the answer. I'm trying to help you. I watch your kids, your children. I worry about every one of them. It's a father's responsibility to keep his children in the Word of God and to keep himself and his family in the Word of God. We must do better. There are mysteries that no one else in the world knows about because they are closed to the rest of the world, but they're found in the Bible. The Bible's a book full of secrets of hidden wisdom. That's what 1 Corinthians 2 tells us. How about 1 Timothy 3.16? God was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory. There's some mysteries. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's why we read the Bible. There's mysteries. You know what I hear people say? What kind of books do you like? I like to read mysteries. Oh, another little pipe dream. You know, somebody's sitting in a little room with a typewriter, smoking on a pipe with illegal tobacco in it, and they come up with some little mystery, and you read that. Why not read the word? This book's got mysteries. This book has mysteries that are unbelievable. They're called unspeakable. They're called unseeable. They're called unhearable. They're called unimaginable. But I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And they're all revealed right here. How are you going to know about them? Unless you read the Bible. You'll get all wrapped up in the little tinsel soap bubbles of down here unless you read the Bible. How should you read it? Brethren, you've got to make it a meaningful habit every day. You've got to set a time for it. If you say, I'll read the Bible, if I've got any leftover time today, I'll read the Bible. What's going to happen? Going to have any leftover time? Make time for the Word of God. Make time for the Word of God. Set a time for it, preferably in the morning, because there's less to distract you in the morning. It can start your day off well. And you can set time that will not be infringed upon as much in the morning. A reading program of some sort, do you know that I have picked 365 simple chapters from the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, to help you get through it, to help your children get through it, without running into chapters that would stifle them. That's a good way to get started. you know how? You can read it every quarter. They're easy chapters. From Genesis to Revelation, would take you through the whole Bible. It's not the whole Bible. But you know, once you did that a few times, do you know what you'd want to do? You'd want to leave that program and get into the chapters you haven't read yet. I'm just telling you, a program helps. My wife says, I like to get up and know where I'm supposed to read. It just helps me get started. Some of you, others of you have told me the same thing. How you read is more important than how much you read. Read meditatively to meet God. Be looking at the words, I want to meet the Lord through these words. Lord, show yourself to me. Show your will for my life. Point out what's wrong with me. Show me. 
Teach me truth and wisdom. I'm not reading this to check it off. That's why I said I'd rather read one chapter three times than three chapters one time. Slow it down. Meditate. Mull it over. Think about it. Sit. Meditate in a verse. Think. How does this apply to me? What is God really saying here? Wow, that's beautiful. Delight in the law of God. Don't race over the words. Don't check it off. Seek the meaning of what you're reading. Don't settle for words and their sound. Look for the intent. Write me, call me, I'll help. Write or call your your, your father, your husband. He's able. The Lord made him able. I'll help make him able. They can answer your questions. How does the meaning affect you? Put yourself in the passage. Convert its lesson to your life. I got hammered from 2 Samuel 14. The woman of Tekoa jumped on my chest. And I can't even... Oh, Lord. I, I want to tell you, but I mean, you know I'm getting close. <laughs> oh, Sherry, don't laugh. I, I just I had a dilemma in my life. And in 2 Samuel 14, I was cruising, I, I was cruising along the way I'm telling you. I, re, I read three or four verses, I go back. I want to make sure I'm getting what they're saying. And all of a sudden... Boom! The woman of Tekoa to David, thou art faulty in thy wisdom. Oh, sweet. Do you love to be told you're at fault? If it's God telling you you're at fault, thank God for it. Read for, the, read for the meaning. Put yourself right in the passage. Convert its lesson to your life. Ask God for understanding. Do you pray before you read? Do you pray after you read? Do you pray while you're reading? Lord, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the spirit of illumination will give you enlightenment in the word of God. Do you pray for help while you're reading? It's a spiritual book. The best interpreter is the spirit of God. You've already got him on the inside. Confess your sins so that he's free to operate. So that he's not quenched or grieved. And ask him to help you. Make it a spiritual exercise. Not for the amount to cover. That's... Do you know what? I like the little program I gave because it's only one chapter a day. I'd rather have you read one chapter two, three, four, five times and get something out of it and meditate and pray over it than to be racing through the Bible to check it all off. And I'm nothing except your servant. And I'm the Lord's servant to try to remind you that we're not reading as much as we should. And we can and should do better. Be sure to obey what you learn. I've told you. He'll blind you. When you find something that you need to change in your life, change it. Oh, when you change it, he loves that. When Josiah ripped his clothes, he got a message straight from God. You are right, Josiah. I am going to tear this nation to shreds. But I'm going to take you out of here before it happens. Because he responded so well to the word of God, even though the message was terribly negative. He responded so well. You know, the world is using all of our technical inventions for techno-sins, which I tried to speak to you a little bit about ten days ago. But brethren, we can use those technical inventions for ourselves. I like my online Bible program. I like hearing about Alexander Scorby on MP3. I can buy that. Sister, that thing is down to like ten bucks. I'll buy it for anybody. I've, I've, I've given out many of them in here. If you'll listen to the Word of God, we have witty inventions. The whole thing's on three CDs. The whole Bible. 1.9 gig. These are inventions God's given us. We ought to know the Bible better than any generation before us. Do you know what men had to do before us? They sat by candlelight. They used quill pens. And they had to make up their own concordances. Because James Strong hadn't even been born yet. And we've got it online. You can type in a word and have the answer in, in a nanosecond. We're blessed. Men, men gave their lives for portions of Scripture. There are martyrs that died because they had a little section of Scripture in their possession and it was against the law. We have it everywhere. You can buy one at, what's the dollar store in town that sells a King James Bible for one buck? Somewhere in town. When should you read it? Don't say, I'll read it with whatever time I've got left over today. The devil 
your flesh and the world has a way of making sure there's no time left over. So make time for it and read. The morning's the best. If you travel to work or if you've got decent travel time, stick Scorby in. You don't need to be listening to WMYI or any of the others in this city. They haven't said one intelligent, wise word yet. You're filling yourself with the world. You're destroying and corrupting your soul. Stick in Alexander Scorby. Let him read Psalm 119 to you. When you get to your parking lot, have a three-minute prayer and beg God that Psalm 119 can be fulfilled in your life. When you have a lunch break, scarf your food down and go get your real food. Spend a few minutes reading the Word of God in the middle of the day. Before you go to bed, give yourself something to dream about and think about. Ever had a good Bible discussion while you're sleeping in a dream? (laughs) It's a whole lot better than some of the other ones that come along. Your life is racing away, brethren, and so is mine. There's only one way to slow it down. Read the Bible carefully today. Few men, only a few men have had Scripture, understanding, and the time and freedom that you have. What are the inputs in your life? Exchange them for the Word of God. Love Psalm 19. Read it and love it. And love the Word of God that it describes. Read Psalm 119 and love it. And love the Word of God that it describes. We have to help each other. Encourage each other to read our Bibles. Every day. Much. If you already have good reading habits, read some more. You can leverage yourself up spiritually. There's no diminishing returns in the Word of God. We learn in economics that there is a point of diminishing returns. There isn't such a thing with the Word of God. It is not hindered by the limitations that everything we know of in this world is limited by. More is better with Scripture. We've got to build habits in our homes that our children know it and they'll keep up the habit when they're gone from us. And of course, of course, reading alone is not enough. You have to obey what you read. I hope that's understood in everything that I have said. Brethren, the point today was very simple and we are done. I've given you a few extra minutes from our normal schedule. I hope that you'll use those extra minutes to read the Word of God at home by yourself and with your family. And may the Lord bless us today, tomorrow, as long as He tarries, that we will spend more time in the Word of God than we have been. And may it be, it will be, if we read it right to the profit of our souls, our families, and our church. May Jesus Christ be praised as we read the book that tells us about Him. Amen.